I've got here hashtag girl boss, hashtag yas queen never to be queen. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to go too much into dragon anatomy here. <laughs> Better to kneel when giving a blow. Oh, okay. That, sorry, is that a direct quote? This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, House of the Dragon, episode eight, Lord of the Tides. My name is Adam Hemming and I'm joined today by Grace Chapman. May the mother smile down on this gathering of love. And Neil Shepek. It both gladdens my heart and fills me with sorrow to see your faces before me. <laughs> and last but not least, Damien Cooper. Shall we levy a tax on the sale of new wool? <laughs> yes. That's one of my favourite lines of the episode. <laughs> this, again, another time jump. This I was like, whoa, we've moved on some. General thoughts on this episode? This was one of my favourite episodes of the series so far. I think it might, it could be my favourite. I'm still not sure, but I just absolutely loved how they dealt with Viserys in this episode. It was just so brilliantly played out and it was so satisfying and it was so impactful. And I'm not normally into like body horror stuff. That's not really my jam. But actually, I just really loved it. And I think not just in terms of the like, effects they use but his character like the journey of his character through this episode was just pitch perfect so yeah I really loved it yeah I also really loved it I thought it was a great episode and obviously it's been really clear for a while now that the series is going and Paddy Constantine's just amazing in this episode I loved everything from the mask to the final death I also loved what Matt Smith did and I understand the the crown that Ceres was wearing accidentally fell off his head in filming. And Matt Smith put it back on and the director decided to keep it in. I thought it was great. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was a very good episode. I think there were points where it dragged a little bit. At times I felt there was a little too much near death breathing and, and noises we could have moved through quicker I, you know as always with Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon the political machinations and how alliances move and switch but I thought it was really nice to see even with that say that final family dinner how quickly things moved from what seemed to be an entente to back to being a struggle for power brilliant yeah and I also loved the Viserys last moments we're seeing his family and the kingdom in a very positive way. And that was really touching. Yeah, I, a big, big episode for Viserys and for Damon, definitely. And some great, great stuff happening here. Let's go. We'll go scene by scene this week, I think. But we start on Driftmark. We learn that it's been six years since Rhaenys saw Corlys. He's fallen overboard. He's had his neck slashed, lost a lot of blood and is suffering from fever he burns from within. And so really what we're looking at is his death, aren't we? And therefore we're, we're, we're saying that he's died. We're definitely saying this is not some unnecessary sleight of hand that will come back maybe at the end of the series as this big reveal. He's definitely dead. The point should definitely be awarded. Case closed. I think Alison later on in the episode says he could still live. So Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> Sorry, mate. We learn also learn that Bela, Rainus's granddaughter, is there. Um, and we later learn on in the episode that she's her ward. So following Lenor's death, she's taken us as their ward. She says the sea snake is strong and that she believes Corlys may well still survive. We learn that Lucerus Velaryon is due in three days' time, but Vaymond isn't happy. He wants Driftmark. Talks about the Valerian line continuing in their blood and the issue of them being bastards is brought up again. Yeah, and Princess Rene says, one could take your words for treason. And I was like, oh, Viserys has kept those whispers down for six years. Good work. And then he responds, I think, into that. He says, while I should like your support, I do not need it. And then he says, it's not the king who sits on the Iron Throne. It's the Queen. We're being told, this is it now. I mean, he's not involved in any statecraft anymore. So much information given in this first scene. It was really artfully done, I thought. And, and again, that must be quite hard for Rainis to hear that there is a Queen sitting on the Iron Throne, given that she was passed up for Viserys as the Queen who never was. Yeah, I think she deals with Vaemon really well here, though. She doesn't show the weakness. She she stares him right down. I've got here, hashtag girl boss, hashtag Yas, queen, never to be queen. <laughs> yeah, I think Princess Renée, this is, I mean, she, there's so many brilliant moments of her in this episode. I thought she was just fantastic. From the start, she was clearly going to be important. Yeah, we're obviously talking about Eve Best, but how did you pronounce her name, Grace? Princess Renée? Wait, what? But I just want I just want to say Grace is clearly using the Essos pronunciation, the proper Valerian one, rather than this kind of Westerosi bastardization. Well that's that's why I was questioning it. We then take the very short trip geographically to Dragonstone. We learnt via the WhatsApp message that Neil sent this week that um they're very close together, Dragonstone and Driftmark. And I love this shot of the mountain and Damon appearing at the top of it. It was really, really cool. He finds a big pile of dragon poop. <laughs> cuts into it with a hatchet and, and reveals a, a dragon egg. Am I right that he's basically got together three dragon eggs? Maybe we only saw one instance there, but for each of his children. Yeah, that's right. He does say in Valyrian, doesn't he? There's three eggs, keep them warm. But I was going to say, I'm not entirely sure that that is dragon guano that the eggs are found in. Is that not just some very quite horrible dragon afterbirth? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to go too much into dragon anatomy here, especially for the ladies. But yeah, that's not going to be dragon poop, Adam. <laughs> it was steaming and and (laughs) there are many things that can steam adam it was a very fresh clutch that's all i'm saying a fresh clutch of three eggs that had been dropped he's then given a letter from baylor and i did take the time to pause and transcribe this letter father i write with news of uncle vaymond who this moment sails for king's landing he plans to approach his grace the king in matters of succession rights and the sanctity of blood he wishes for the drift mark Couldn't quite read the word, but I think it's thrown. To him, that is his by rights, and that he is the only unattainted choice, Baylor. And also, just want to add, beautiful penmanship. Mm. All I'd say from that is, I think he's not untainted. I think Vaymond is 100% taint. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about anatomy. We then see Jace learning Valerian, not to be confused with Valarion, the house name and we get to see Maester Phil. I loved seeing Maester Phil from Cockney Geezer to Maester. What a journey. 
I add a little whoop. I thought of you, Adam. To come from the very bottom to the very top, it's the Westerosi dream, isn't it? That's what they all know culturally. You, you can make it in King's Landing. One of the quotes that I really liked from the king in waiting was he said, a king should honour the traditions of his forebears. He's so focused on making sure he does everything right that he's a proper king. She even says, I don't expect you to learn this language in a day. And still he admonishes himself for not being good enough at speaking the language. We also learn in this scene that Rhaenyra is pregnant. And I believe that's going to be her fifth child, two with Damon and then three with Sir uh, Hammond. Sir Richard of Hammond. No, <laughs> isn't it Hardcastle? Actually, going to be her sixth. So she's got Jaceris and Lucerus and Joffrey from Harwin Strong. Joffrey's the, the one that she's giving birth to in the, that previous time jump. Then she has, uh, we later learn that they are called Egon and Viserys. And then she's pregnant again with a sixth child. So she's pregnant with her sixth. She's had five already. And Egon and Jaceris are very like Matt Smith. Yes, they're blonde. Yeah. <laughs> just on the names i think it's weird hearing joffrey's name being <laughs> spoken aloud and they call them luke and jace rather than jaceris and lucerus which is fair enough the full names are a mouthful but they do feel like quite modern names i think it's also in that scene where we have has the viper's venom spread so far where there's suddenly this meeting of the executive board on this side of the of the thing of, of damon and rhaenyra trying to work out what their play is now going to be, and whether they should haul ass to King's Landing. And I, I thought that was interesting, because still, still, Damon is so much more cutthroat. <laughs> he is, but he's very supportive of his brother. It's, what's in the tea? Damon smells it. Um, he seems to be quite protective. And do we think Alison is now running... The kingdom yeah almost definitely it comes up in the conversation that Alison and Otto deal with all of those bits and pieces just to jump back at the spot they say they're going off to King's Landing and then the next thing we see is them arriving and there is nobody there to greet them I mean it's literally like wind whistling by and then Lord Caswell him from the corridor that time remember uh, <laughs> he pops out to greet them and we get his name checked again surely he's got a pop up at some point in the last two episodes. Yeah, and, and therefore is fair game for the sweepstake. What I then like is that when they went into the hall and she says it's not as I remember it and that they stood next to that staircase that they climb when she's just given birth and she can barely make it up the stairs. It was quite nice to see that that's where they decided to place them. Yeah, and the differences to the Red Keep are that there are lots of stars about now because the new gods have been embraced in King's Landing. And I think this, you know, potentially is the, the the first time that the seven have been really strongly touted as the gods. The Targaryens followed the old gods, which is where the godswood comes in. Um, but the seven and the septons are the new gods. And we learn a bit more about those in the small council meeting. Lord Beesbury's droning on. The customs they're getting is, is good now because the step zones have been settled. But the septons want to commission a bronze bust Cue much eye-rolling from Sir Lannister, whatever his name is. I thought that bronze bust sounded lovely. Yeah, I was going to say the best place to get a bronze bust is probably down in Flea Bottom. Well, they do, they do end up talking about the Driftmark succession and, and, and sort of the politics, politics, politics around all of that even. But, uh, there's a new Master of Laws. I haven't quite worked out who he is yet. Dave. 
Dave, Master Dave of the Laws. But Alicent leaves with a new member of the King's Guard we haven't seen before. Before, <laughs> what's going on with my words? Okay. Are you all right? And she calls him Sir Eric, and he says, "No, I'm Eric." So I think these are twins, potentially, or at least brothers who look very similar, who are new members of the King's Guard. And this reminds me of a gag used in Lost, um, where they're talking about Steve and someone else, probably Jeff. Um, but that, uh, I wonder whether the Eric or Eric thing is going to be a gag or whether it's going to have a greater plot device. I mean, to be honest, this this moment where Alison was like, got the names wrong, I was like, Alison, I... I get you. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. <laughs> so then we finally see Viserys. He's in a bad state. Half his face bandaged up. He's got black teeth. He can't remember things. And this is the scene where Rhaenyra and Damon introduce their kids, Aegon and Viserys, to their grandfather. I absolutely laughed out loud at Damon's reaction to Viserys. <laughs> he was so grossed out by it he could barely look at him yeah we've talked about Matt Smith and how what a scene stealer he is he just is Damon constantly and without any shadow of a doubt my only note for this scene is will Viserys just die already (laughs) how long are they going to string this shit out for He's, mm. he's been near death for, what, 15 years? He's got a good grand maester. Gotta love that poppy tea. I think the key thing for me, though, was this thing of him him not being able to remember who he's talking to or talking about, and that his mind is going as well as the deterioration of his body. We then find out what uh, Sir Eric or Eric had summoned Alicent for, and that was because Egon's been a naughty boy with the maid Diana. He clearly did not have consent, and Alison has to deal with this situation. Diana is given some tea to drink. She is. Now, my question is this, right? So it's fairly clear from this story, not only is Alison heartbroken that her son has done this, but it also feels like it's not the first time he's done this by a long shot. My question to you is, though, because we never saw the colour of the tea that Rhaenyra got at the end of that episode previously, that tea looked pretty noxious. So my question is, was that genuine tea or was she poisoned? I'm not sure she's poisoned, but I think it's to stop her from giving birth. I don't think it's PG Tips or even Grace's preferred brand of tea, but uh, Yorkshire tea, Grace? Correct. Um, Other teas are available. I I think it's either. They are, but Grace won't drink them. Um, It's either morning after tea or it's poison. And I I genuinely believe that she could kill this maid. Alison. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definite Cersei vibes going on from Alison in this episode. Yeah, I didn't even think it could be poison, but now you've said it. So I guess we'll find out next episode if, or maybe we won't find out and we'll never know. That is really interesting. I, I have to say, I found this scene just brilliant I really loved it I think the dialogue in it Alison saying to this young woman thank you for telling me I know it wasn't your fault I believe you I was like whoa I would never ever have thought (laughs) that a spin-off of Game of Thrones would have dialogue like that it was it was so good and then and then she goes "It, it is what others might believe if anyone else were to hear this you might be the sort of girl to entice him in the first place and you know what happens to girls like that I think what it was, it just felt like subtle and painful and compassionate and complicated. And I just thought, I can't remember the woman who plays Alison now. Uh, Her name's escaped me. But she was outstanding in this scene. I mean, the empathy across her face, the pain, then the power. Oh, it honestly gave me chills. Olivia Cook. 
Yeah, so I agree with you. I think it's one of the big things that they said about House of Dragon, wasn't it? That they, and funny if I was talking about this um, to someone earlier today about their big thing that sexual violence, you know, that that was a big corner they were turning. As we've seen, there's no kind of gratuitous nudity. Uh, and as you said, sex position, which was such an important part of uh, Game of Thrones, Grace. Yeah, it's true. It's really complicated because I feel like that last line, like you said, people would think you were the person that enticed him and you know what happens to girls like that. I took that to be 100% threat. It went from the gentle, you know, the what the lace glove to the the iron gauntlet very quickly. I'm glad you said that the sex position was really important in Game of Thrones because I love that. Um, <laughs> however, um, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting how the storyline with Alicent is introducing the whole religion side of things and the seven and that change of religion, which obviously plays a major part, certainly, what was it, Series 7 of Game of Thrones? Basically when the High Septon comes in. So it's really interesting to see how that started to infiltrate the kingdom. Yeah, definitely. We then meet the older Aegon. Speaking of gratuitous nudity, uh, we get a butt shot of older Aegon. Definite Kevin the Teenager vibes coming across here. <laughs> Alison calls him no son of hers. That's quite a nice moment where he says he can't, Essentially, he can't cope with his parents' expectations. Whatever he does is never good enough for Alicent or for Otto. I think there was a really important line of her saying, I can't, you know, essentially, I can't believe you've done this to me, especially on a day like today, i.e. when Rhaenyra and Damon are coming back in. Can't you just for once be on your best behaviour and show, like, show me off well? Not only was she, you know, punishing her son for a terrible, terrible act, but also she was just like, can you not? <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. And that slap, oof. That made impact. We also find out that he's married, that he's wed already. What, what's your wife going to make of all of this? And then we see the older Helena coming in. She asks where Diana is because the kids need dressing. So it's clear that Egon and Helena have got some children as well, some offspring that we, we don't meet. It felt, especially in that scene, that Diana's name got said so many times in such a short period of time. I thought, oh my God, why did you just call her Diana? This seems all ridiculous now. We then get uh, Alicent uh, has got to go and greet her guests. So we have a conversation with Rhaenyra and Damon. Damon says, talking about Viserys, and uh, he says he'd be surprised if he can remember his own name or indeed if you could. So some cutting stuff from our, our Damon. Did he ask for the removal of Targaryen heraldry and the installation of statues and stars? And then they ask who's going to sit in judgment over Driftmark, and Alison confirms it will be her. It's very clear at this point already that, that the High Towers were the ruling party at the moment. And then we next see Jace and Luke in the yard. We hear this sparring going on whilst they're looking at weapons and reminiscing about chunks missing from walls but later we see it's Kristen and Amond sparring and Amond as predicted is pretty badass yeah it's it's really interesting because the last time we've been there is we saw the two of them and that fight that then happened which then led to Krispy Kreme fighting Sir Strong and then basically the end of Sir Strong him having to leave and and then lining up with his death I thought it was really exciting the actor who plays Amond is an absolute legend. I can't remember his name at this moment in time, but he's a great actor. My only issue was, as great as he was, there was a bit of pouting going on. He looked like his top lip had been Botox to fuck. <laughs> also, he was really using that one eye to full effect. 
Mm. It's Ewan Mitchell, the name of the actor. And yeah, I agree. He's really, really good in this. I love the line, nephews, have you come to train? There's an unhinged quality to Aemond, which I'm really enjoying. And then we see Vaemond arriving and, and Lucerus, his rival for the throne of Driftmark, watches him as he goes past. Cut back to uh, the council room and Vaemond is chatting to Otto and Alicent. And this is where we get the line about Corlys, who may yet live. He may yet live, but we must be prepared if he does not. They're talking about Corlys, but they could just as easily have been talking about Viserys, right? Yeah, definitely. I'd go as far as to say, I think it's safe to say if one, if one of them died this episode, then they probably both did. And so points should be attributed accordingly. Look, Corlys is just running a high fever, Damo. He's going to be fine. This is the scene where they say tomorrow the high towers make their blow. It's coming up to that in, in a second. Um, there's just one final point on this scene. Uh, Otto's argument is that war is coming. We've had all of this peace and now war is coming. We need a strong fleet. Do you want your fleet to be led by... Lucerus Valerion or by the skilled warrior Vaymond. So they're kind of dressing it up as being good for their subjects if Vaymond is given the throne. Definitely, and it would be good for the Lord of the Driftmark to owe the Queen a favour as well. And to make a blow. Indeed. Speaking of blows, we then get Ag seen in the Godswood with Rainis, Rhaenyra and Rainer. Why do they be called such similar names? Because of their their descendants, their, their, you know, because of their ancestors and, and who they've come from. So I believe that Raina was one of Egon the Conqueror's sisters, and that's why that name and, the, and sort of different versions of that name continues down the line. As the as the gene pool gets smaller, the names have to get more complicated. <laughs> and to be fair. I would say Eamon does have a bit of a Habsburg chin, so that would explain the kind of ever-shrinking gene pool. <laughs> but Rhaenyra comes in again with her half-truths. She didn't order Lenor's death, is the truth, but not really giving the full truth. And we learn that Rhaenys has come to put her own name forward, the queen who never was, wants the Driftmark throne. But Rhaenyra counters that with the suggestion that they wed Baylor to Jace and Raina to Luke, so joining their families together. A generous offer or a desperate one. What a great line. Maybe both. And does it matter? <laughs> uh, which I think is the response. But yeah, and then here we get the line that you're talking about, Neil. Rainis predicts that the high towers will land the first blow and she must stand alone. Better to kneel when giving a blow. Oh, okay. Is that, sorry, is that a direct quote? <laughs> Maybe there was some sex position I somehow missed. Well, in the old Game of Thrones, that would have been a direct quote. We get a little scene with Viserys and Rhaenyra. It's mostly her talking, I think, about the, the burden being too heavy. She says that he tried to unite the realm and have peace, but he divided the realm. And we come to the realisation that he, he can't defend her anymore, really. Yeah, I mean, her key ally is going. And I swear, every time that thunder went off, I thought, this is it. He's gone. But no. <laughs> this was the point in my in my notes where I wrote, how is he still alive? He says he wants to have supper with the whole family and he refuses the milk of the poppy. But he's clearly in a lot of agony. There seems to be so many desperate attempts to keep him alive. Clearly, his body is in a really dire state and it's not long before we see him wearing a mask, almost phantom of the opera-like, to hide his deformity, I guess. I've got a bit lost here in the narrative. When does 
Rhaenyra go and have that bedside chat with him one-on-one. That's this scene that we're talking about yeah. now. Perfect. Did you have a thought about that scene? Just, I mean, yeah, well, obviously we get that where she's trying to find out, look, is this true? Is this thing, is this existential threat for the whole of Westeros? Is it true? And obviously, for dramatic reasons, she can't fully get the answer that she needs. She should have said, we's twice for no. <laughs> but this is his dream or his vision the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, it's it's Egon's vision that's been passed down from king to king. So he passes it on to Rhaenyra. But you're right, Damo, this is a key point, is that she's asking him about the Song of Ice and Fire because it's going to come up again at the end of the episode. I just wanted to give a little shout out to whoever was in charge of Rib's CGI. They did that brilliantly, right? I mean, Paddy didn't lose all that weight. Yeah, I'm sure. Paddy's had a lot of compliments on social media about his performance. Maybe now's a good time for us to recognise what an amazing performance he's given. The rest of this episode is largely driven by Viserys, and and I think Paddy Constant is superb in this. But we get to the throne room, and Otto is sitting on the throne as Vaymond makes his petition. Again, he talks about true blood. Uh, he says the Targaryens ruled the skies and the Valerians ruled the seas. Rhaenyra tries to interrupt and is put in her place by Alison. Then she's given her opportunity to speak. And as she starts talking, the doors open. And this is a sick entrance by Viserys. We see the gold mask that he's wearing. And as he walks through, you cut to all the different characters and their expressions. And there's a mixture of not being able to look and, and sort of sadness in their eyes. And I kind of felt like there was a lot of love for Viserys in the room. That it was a lot of the seeing this sort of weak old man walk his way up to the throne. It felt like they were all genuinely sad that he was in the way that he was but he says I will sit the throne today and then we get this moment where Damon helps him up the stairs and his crown falls off and Damon helps him pop that back on and Viserys is confused why the settled succession is being discussed he's quite firm when he comes in the first time talking about all of that stuff. For him and Rhaenys are both happy about the marrying of children yeah, well, she pivots, doesn't she? Very, very quickly. She goes full boss bitch, as Damo would say. And sh- she's just like, yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, Rhaenyra mentioned something earlier that would probably be a good time to mention now. It was just so expertly done. Key player in the game. But wasn't it the nephew or son who then said her children are bastards and she's a whore? And then uh- Damien... No, da- not Damien. <laughs> Damon <laughs> decapitates him. Yes, Damon kicks off, calls the kids bastards, and then this incredibly shocking moment of his head <laughs> being sliced in half was joyous for me, given that Damon was my killer and Vaymond was my death. Oh, <laughs> God, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seven points in one, in one stroke of Damon's sword. The other thing I noted was that Amond was quite impressed by what had happened. There was a shot of him looking on at, at Damon. I mean, yeah, Amond and Damon are, are very much cut from the same cloth. I think we, we're increasingly seeing that. Um, I think they have a little smirk off later on that I really loved. When Viserys comes in, he, he enters the room on protector of the realm. And I thought they might as well just say protector of Rhaenyra, really, because uh, that's his one goal now, right? It's just to make sure that she is okay. And the irony at the end. We get a short scene where Rhaenys is watching the Silent Sisters working on the 
the body of Vaymond. Again, pretty gruesome seeing that head in, in two parts. I mean, she says the stranger has visited her many times. Again, an, a reintroduction to the new religion that's entering King's Landing. Uh, and then we get this supper scene. And uh, what a scene this is. I mean, incredibly awkward at the beginning, but Viserys is celebrating having his family all together. Yeah, he says it both guns my heart and fills me with sorrow to see these faces around the table. We get a little moment of Egon taunting Jace's virginity. And then again, what a moment. But when he makes his speech, asking them to put their differences aside and removes his mask. And we see that not only is he missing an eye, but he's also missing a cheek. Because I'm following two different shows at the moment in great detail, it really did make me think of The Walking Dead. So after his big speech that he makes, Rhaenyra toasts the Queen for standing by his side. So it's the first of many toasts, but she's the one who offers the first olive branch, and Alison then toasts her back and says she'll make a fine Queen. And before that, she says, we are both mothers and love our children which I'm sure is going to be a theme that comes up. Yeah, and then after they've done their happy families toasting, I just loved how everyone just had a little glance of each, at each other. Not convinced this won't last. <laughs> uh, we get a bit of tension. Egon's flirting with Baylor. Jace stands up. Amon stands up. A bit of posturing. And then Jace toasts them both. Helena makes the comment, beware the beasts beneath the boards. <laughs> what do we think she means by this? I just thought she was a bit pissed. <laughs> yeah, she had big Sue Ellen from Dallas vibes going on. <laughs> but she toasts Baylor and Raina and gives them some marriage advice. She toasts their upcoming nuptials. Um, mostly he ignores you unless he's drunk. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? I just also want to give a little shout out to that fantastic punch and squeeze of the shoulder from uh, was it Jaceris to Egon? It was just really brilliant. And I just wrote down at the end of this, very concerned about the last 10 minutes. <laughs> well, Jace diffuses the tension by having a dance with Helena. Uh, it seems like everyone's happy, everyone's smiling, getting along. But Viserys feels a bit worse and has to be taken out of the room. Amond makes a toast after he's gone to Jaceris, Luceris and Joffrey, pointing out that they are handsome, wise and strong. Let us drain our cups to these three strong boys. Dano, yeah, I mean, when, when, when have you last drained your cup to three strong boys? I mean, in, in this instance, I would have to put my hand up and say not guilty, Gov. But I, I would say it was classic villain setup. I mean, we already knew he was probably going to be a baddie. But my God, that's it. It's on. There's no coming back from that, right? Yeah, he's definitely put his knife in, I think, and given it a good old twist, as it were. <laughs> I was just going to say the die has been cast. But I mean, yeah, sure, let's talk about sheathing blades. I think this is the moment where we had the little, little smirk off between Amond and Damon. But Rhaenyra wants to take the kids back and then come back to King's Landing on Dragon. She wants to get the kids out of the way and come back. There's a nice conversation between her and Alison, and it all seems like really genuine between the two of them. That's what I was saying before about the kind of how quickly these shifts happen. It's quite nice to see them come full circle. But the smirk off, as you call it, I... I really enjoyed that because we've got this history of begrudging respect that they both have for each other. I think even when he found out that, that Eamon had taken the dragon, even though obviously it was supposed to be his daughter that was taking that dragon, he was a little bit like, fair play. You, you went for it, fair play. I wonder if we're going to see some... I think we, I don't know if they're setting us up for some some conflict, like physical conflict between Eamon and Damon. I, that's something I'd love to see. 
But yeah, I just wrote the smirker meets the smirky. It was so much, it was so great. He just stopped Damon with a look, didn't he? It was no words needed. They just they just see themselves in each other so much. So we then get a little scene with the white worm, who we've not seen in a while, uh, chatting to Talia, who's our our named maid, who's clearly going to play some parts still in the last two episodes. I think Talia's telling her what's happening in the castle, right? And we know the White Worm has previously worked with Otto, but also bedded Damon. So who do we think she's working for now? I wrote this down, like, who's she going to tell? Everyone was there. Like, you'll never guess what happened at the dinner party. Yeah, no, I was there. Yeah, I, I think she's Team Hightower. Things did not end well with Damon. And, I mean, they were married, and he, and it was so... George and Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, those two were just at each other constantly by the end of it. So I think she is out for number one, but if she has to pick a side, chances are she's going to pick the green crew. I wonder whether she's working with Laris, the clubfoot strong, and that maybe because he wasn't there, obviously, in that room at that time. So maybe they are working together. Yeah, he was suspiciously missing, but then no shots of rats. So definitely wasn't there. Mm, I don't know. Maybe his alarm didn't go off, so he couldn't walk up. Mm, (laughs) (laughs) You keep reminding me your dad with your jokes, Adam. Thanks. I I take that with a yeah, proudly. So we then get the final scene, and Viserys is is losing it and thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra about the song of ice and fire and mentions the prince who was promised. Alison's clearly going to take this meaning quite, quite differently. So clever how this has all been set up, how the narrative of the Song of Ice and Fire fits with what Alison wants to hear. All of the, you know, the teasing of him losing his memory and not not being cogent. I thought it was all really, really brilliantly played. And then he says no more and dies, right? I heard no more, my love. Yeah, I also heard that. And yeah, as far as predictions in your sweepstake yeah he's died i mean it's been all over social media that he's left the series now so the the tricky thing with this is of course is we fade to black we hear breathing and the breathing stops as the episode stops so do we know if he has died in that moment or has he passed in between the ending of that episode and maybe the five-year time jump that will almost certainly happen to move through the narrative can can we really say that the king is dead long live the king i have to say that i watched this with subtitles on um just in case i miss a name or something like that and just before the episode ends the subtitles come up and say breathing stops and then the episode ends thank you that doesn't mean he's dead he might just be practicing holding his breath He's wheezed for the last time. All right, he's gone. I think that is. Uh, I think we have to give that five points to Grace. Uh, much as it, she's already in the lead. I think it's only fair she gets those points. One thing I just wanted to draw upon on this final scene very quickly is actually like Alison's care for Viserys and you know trying to take away his pain. I, I guess I was like, gosh, is there some love there? I mean, I know that. I mean, we, we saw how it was when she was younger and it was very horrendous. But I mean, this is a, her, most of her adult life. She has been with this man. Came from that, and I think it's I think it's complicated is what I'm saying. I think that 
I just really liked that they showed that, that that relationship is that that love or not love that's very complicated. I think it is complicated, but I also think the sense of duty can lead to a sense of love. So I think she's genuinely sorrowful about his passing. Because God, how many kids has she given him? And how many years has she spent with him? And no doubt they would have been very lovely times, all the various banquets and stuff. I would respect her emotions with him passing. And the other thing to think about in terms of their relationship, I mean, obviously he was a little bit cold to her. She wasn't his first wife, who was obviously the love of his life. But, I mean, as far as these things go, as a king, he doesn't seem to have been a bad husband. I mean, it's not inferred that he's had affairs, he's, you know, cheated on her. He's not necessarily done wrong by her. The problem is, is that he has favoured his grandchildren over his actual children. And that is where the conflict comes between the two of them. Other than that, there's no real bad blood, as it were. Obviously, Viserys is full of bad blood by the time he dies, in a metaphorical sense rather than a literal sense. It hasn't been a bad marriage as such. I think they've done a, perhaps a better job in this series than Game of Thrones did in giving us more rounded characters who, you know, we, we can sort of feel sympathy towards Alison, even though potentially she's being set up as the as the villain of the piece. So should we cover points then? Anyone else got anything they want to say about the episode? Well, uh, yeah, I just want to ask as we're moving into sort of the final two episodes, I think, what what we're feeling, people? Are you team Alison? Are you team Rhaenyra? <laughs> For me, definitely team Rhaenyra, I think. Yeah. Demo? Yeah. At the moment, there's some people on the Alison side that I like, but if I have to pick one team, I think I'm team Targaryen rather than team Hightower. Yes. Neil, you're going to join me? <laughs> I also am going to go for Team Targaryen because historically we know that's what happens. I mean, I haven't read the book in the way that I know Adam has, but it's obviously going to go in that way. I mean, how could it not? Well, I'm Team Alison all the way. I think she's awesome. I think she's such a great character. I mean, I'm not saying that I agree with her on all her morals and her choices, but the thing is I also really loved Cersei. So I think I think it sits within the same realm. I just I think she's a brilliant character and I I want her to do I want her to do well. I completely yeah. agree. She's a fantastic character. And she's also, I mean, Marjorie Terrell is a descendant of hers. So, you know, we we we've got some amazing women in the game of Thrones universe. I just think surely it will be Targaryens. Just be interesting as to how Alison fits into that. I'll just point out it will definitely be a Targaryen either way. So Alison's child is Aegon Targaryen or Rhaenyra Targaryen. So it will be a Targaryen either way on the throne. So points wise, Grace, you're now up to 14 points on the sweepstake. Well done to you. Uh, I got seven points, my first points of the series so far. So I've moved into second place. Damien, you're still on two. And Neil, yet to score. But double points in the final episode, still all to play for. And Neil, you get to go first again this time. So episode nine is called The Green Council. I couldn't find much in the way of synopsis. Neil, who are you going for? Right, well, I'm definitely going to go for Damon for Killer. And for Death, I'm going to go for one of the kids. I'm going to go for Luke. Very nice indeed. My killer is going to be Kristen Cole, 
I feel like he's finally due for some kills. And my death is going to be Sir Harold Westerling, the head of the Kingsguard, who's always been loyal to Rhaenyra. Interesting. Demo. Oh, it's me again. Sorry, I don't know why. I forgot the alphabet. I thought Grace was before me. Uh, so then I'm going to go for Killer Amond. Yeah, I know. He's gone for Krispy Kreme, so what are you going to do? And I'm going to go for Death. Fleabag's dad. Lord Beesbury. Lord Beesbury. I think he's shown himself too often to not agree with the High Towers. Death from extensive accounting. <laughs> okay. Oh, damn it. I, I was going to say Amund for Killer, so I'm gutted there. Killer, I'm going to go with Laris and Death, the other. Jaceris? Uh, because you went with Lucerus, didn't you, um, Neil? I did. So I'll go. Yeah. I'll go with Jaceris. Not all these kids can survive. I was very tempted to go with Sir Eric or Sir Eric, but I just couldn't pick which one. <laughs> uh, well, thanks very much all. If you'd like to let us know who you think is going to die in the next episode of The House of the Dragon, you can contact us on the social media at TVDNAPod on all platforms. Damien? Sorry, I thought we could pick two deaths. I got confused with... Uh... The, the Walking Dead. So I would like to change my death, if that's all right. Okay. I'd like to change from Fleabag's dad to Krispy Kreme. Okay. I mean, you're going to be gutted if Fleabag's dad does die in the next episode. But, you know, see us out, Grace. No more, my love. I think Sir Eric is of House Harland, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> there was such a... <laughs> we'll cut the pause. So- before I laughed. <laughs> it's such a pause and then such a hard laugh. Sounds like you're absolutely ripping the piss out of me. <laughs> I, don't get the joke. I don't get the joke. There's a footballer called Eric Harland who is a big old lad. Yeah. And he has blonde, blonde hair. He's Norwegian. God, I love that poppy tea, Damon. Damon? <laughs> oh, you as well. <sighs> and Dinero gets to well, she's given some tea to drink. Dinero, <laughs> Diana, Diana, 